Listeners are advised, this podcast contains coarse language, themes of an adult nature, and inappropriate thoughts about boy bands. And inappropriate thoughts by boy bands, motherfucker. Hi, uh, we're busted and we're with, I'm with the boy band. Peace. Yay. Yay. Thanks for that, James from Busted. <laughs> so, Amy Long. Yes, Zoe Linkson. What, what's that all about then? Well, we went to a Busted album signing yesterday. Did we? I love how I'm telling you this like you <laughs> like were I wasn't there. there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we went we Busted have got a new album out and called. they they've called Halfway There. It's very good and we listened to it the whole way there. Twice. So we did listen to it twice on the <laughs> yeah. way there. That's how long it took us to get to Notting Hill. Lovely part of London. Don't go queuing for 90 minutes in the freezing cold, though. <laughs> that wasn't the greatest decision we'd oh ever made. Oh, God, it was freezing. It was, uh, but it was uh, at Rough Trade, which isn't a great, the biggest record shop in the world ever, so they couldn't queue us all inside. And um, I like that we were a, a, you know, a source of amusement to the locals. Yeah, they all kept going past, going, what's going on? And we were like, album signing. And they were like, who is it? And we were like, busted. And they were like, yeah. Like, they, <laughs> yeah. They, they liked it, didn't they? <laughs> They and thought Boston it was fun. That kind of, although they're definitely a boy band, in my opinion, and we discussed <laughs> this with them, um, they are one of those boy bands that, that do attract affection from um, a wider audience oh, than yeah. just fangirls. I had yeah. a message on my phone this morning when I woke up from a male friend, British male friend who lives in New York, saying... Amy, what were you doing hanging out with Busted? I love hanging Busted. Out. Yeah, because he saw my selfies on my Instagram or on my Facebook. But yes, I've been dragged back into Facebook. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's right. I was just hanging out with the boys from Busted, as you do. So, on a cold Notting Hill street. So, yeah, we spoke to them. We um, asked them about boy bands and how they felt about us calling them a boy band. They were a little bit resistant. Yeah. To be to be fair to them, we did kind of go up, the two of us up together to meet them and just kind of talked at them for about five minutes. <laughs> I would probably have been a bit, who the fuck are these two? And we were wearing our matching I'm with the boy band sweatshirts. And they thought we were on a Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> they handled us well, I thought. I yeah, thought they were good. We, we are a bit of a force to be reckoned with when we're together as... <laughs> Donnie Wahlberg quite rightly pointed out to us once that he thought I was a fucking pain in the ass, but you are a bigger fucking pain in the ass. So well, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree. To be fair, <laughs> I did warn you know him what, before though? I took you to meet him. <laughs> the reason I that he did warn him, I was kind of like, Amy's kind of exactly like me, but blonde. So I need you to be ready. <laughs> to be fair, I I believe from memory, right before that, we had that conversation about me being a bigger pain in the ass than you. I think he was. Was he slagging off our friend Ronnie and I was sticking up for Ronnie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's why he was calling me a pain in the ass. Yeah, because like, you wouldn't let him get away with talking shit, right? Right. Don't let any boy if it was my, If it was my boy band, <laughs> I would have just been like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but she's, no. she's a fucking nutter. I don't know why you like her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, so they were lovely. We spoke to Matt. It was Matt, Charlie and James, obviously, Busted. <laughs> the three um, members of Busted. Charlie was a lot more friendly than I had expected. I've met Matt before. He, he was a lot taller than I expected. Oh, he's really but tall. Also, um, 
they were obviously stood higher than us. <laughs> and our yes. selfie does look like two little schoolgirls at the sweetie counter. Well, you see, we got them to take the selfie and we were behind them. because they, So they were behind the counter, so they had somewhere to put the CDs and records to sign. And then we were coming up to the counter, yeah, like school children <laughs> buying sweeties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do Americans shop? have tuck shops? Do we need um, to explain what a tuck shop is? Oh, it's a sweet candy it, store in school. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, do they have refectories or something? Anyway, so um, so yeah, and we went over, and Matt was that Matt was first, and I love Matt. I know that that's quite <laughs> obvious. The way you told him, oh, you're so fit. Look, that was that was after that was <laughs> after the interview had finished. <laughs> we were outside of the building at that point. I did apologize on Twitter for calling him fit. And I told him his wife was amazing. So cuz she is, but I felt like I had to make up for calling <laughs> him fit <laughs> and talking at his face for 5 minutes. Oh, he loved it. And we got to ask them again. So part of our boy band pointing will be um bands can get bonus points if another boy band designates them as the greatest boy band ever. So I very cheekily, when they were um, doing a live Instagram on Friday, yeah. had asked them um, who they thought the greatest boy band ever was. And I thought at the time all three of them had answered that it was the Backstreet Boys, um, which I have to say I disagree with. <laughs> um, so I went up, I went in armed with questions about why it was the Backstreet Boys. And they did... They, 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 they said it again. But, but um, they, when I said, Zoe asked you on your Insta Live yesterday who the best was, and they went, oh, Charlie went, oh, that was you. <laughs> yeah. But then Charlie clarified that he, he hadn't actually answered. Oh. And because um, I said, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with the Backstreet Boys. And they were like, well, who then? And I was like, like who would be bigger mm. than them? And I, I suggested the Jackson 5. Mm. And Charlie, he said, oh, no, I was going to say the Jackson 5 yeah. yesterday. They are, and then that's when we got into discussion about uh, whether or not are they a boy band? Boy bands play instruments and things mm. like that. So. Well, Matt said that he thinks Backstreet Boys, in terms of songs, has got have got better songs than any other boy band. Which yes, I suppose is quite true. Well, it is true because they've got some fucking great songs. But as we've discussed today with other people on other forums, a lot of that is subjective. Yeah. So you're referring to my. I, it's not wasn't a Twitter rant. It was no, a Twitter no, no discussion. Rant. So I woke up this morning, having sat up till about four in the morning doing my Bay City Rollers research, band of the week. Um, I woke up uh, after about maybe five hours sleep to someone tweeting us. We'd um, I'd casually mentioned on Twitter that we'd had a fight in the car on the way home about whether or not the Beach Boys were a boy band. Not really a fight. It's no, an ongoing discussion. James had asked us if we counted the Beach Boys as right. a boy band, which which you know, made us discuss it even because further. Because we're kind of on the fence about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we woke up this morning to a guy on Twitter telling us adamantly that the be- no way the Beach Boys are boy band and also no way are busted a boy band, um, which I had to disagree with. And his main argument appeared to be that busted couldn't possibly be a boy band because he likes busted and he doesn't like boy bands. And I was kind of like, well, hold on here, dude. That's that's not how it works. Like, I 
I don't like musicals. Like, I don't like films as musicals. Not my thing. Oh my god, I love them. Absol- but it's not my thing. No, absolutely fine. I'm out of choice, go to the cinema. Last year, I accidentally went to see The Greatest Showman. Oh, I don't not like that. Realizing, one. yeah, it was a musical. it's a musical. Yeah. So I was just looking for something to see at that time of day. I'd seen friends talking about, it and I was like, oh, I'll try this. Sit down, opens up. It's a fucking musical. <laughs> Hugh Jackman starts singing, and, and you're like, oh fuck this. <laughs> and I loved it. But I didn't Did get to come out of the cinema and go. Well, I don't like musicals, so but I like The Great Showman, so that's not a musical. Like you don't get to define. You something. can say I don't like musicals ordinarily, but, but I like The Greatest yeah. Showman. But so, it doesn't mean that it's not a musical. Yeah, right. So you don't get to define yeah. that based on your own individual taste, and it is an individual taste. He said he liked Busted, and he didn't necessarily approve of bands that he regarded as shit. And he brought up Westlife, to which my argument was, but it's everyone's own opinion just because you don't like Westlife doesn't mean that they're invalid as you know musicians performers yeah because there are thousands upon thousands of girls who actually do like their music Mm. so you're not allowed to belittle their music but then what Um, he said was that girls didn't like them for their music they liked them for how good looking they were yeah and I just I feel so strongly about this that, and I did go into it with him over the whole the marketing. Can I, no, can I just say that I think you did a really exceptionally good job, and you were much more eloquent <laughs> than I would have been because I was somewhere between oh ignoring him and telling him to fuck off, but you were ri- like because I was I feel applauding so you strongly about it. Yeah, you don't get to accept the fangirl financing, like you don't get to take our money, and yet in the same breath belittle what we passionately feel about fucking to say this you know great buy our singles but we're still not a boy band even though we're marketing ourselves at you like busted when they started they won the cover of smash hits before yeah. they even had a single out they would perform on uh, smtv the saturday show cd uk all programs that were, that were aimed at teenagers yeah so you can't then say they're not a boy band if that if you're marketing them and marketing them at those people you can't then turn around and go happy for you to buy the records but you're not our kind of you know yeah. you're not really who we want to be buying the records we don't really approve of you just absolutely not on everyone is allowed to like who they like and actually you don't get to decide who is a boy band no and i'm the rule now new rule elvis make a note new rule <laughs> is that you and i and other fangirls as people that don't despise the whole existence of boy bands people that embrace it and love it actually we decide who who is and who isn't a boy band yes not someone who looks down with absolute disdain on any group that's liked by teenage girls that's i just feel really strongly about that you don't get to tell me that something is not a boy band yeah in the same way thank you Sorry, little. No, I think that's. I think everything you said is absolutely valid, and I echo your sentiment because I I 100% agree with everything you're saying. They were marketed at teenagers and teenage girls specifically, although we are now 40 year old women, we still love boy bands, (laughs) and which is another, which is kind of another branch of the argument (coughs) is that we, that doesn't make our enjoyment of the music any less valid and that's another thing that you the point that you made is that if the music speaks to you and if you love that music you can fucking like it no one can tell you you're yeah, wrong to like don't it let anyone tell you or belittle you or make 
make you not want to like your passion because they disapprove of it. It's, yeah. it's not about anyone else's approval of what you like. It's not and about then them making a judgment on you. One of my wonderful Australian friends, Vanessa, jumped in and said, <laughs> can we now say, mention some stereotypes about men at sporting events, men getting <laughs> emotionally or hormonal at sporting events? Yeah, he told us, I can't possibly understand how they like the music when all they hear at shows is screaming. <laughs> and it's kind of like, well, how can you possibly like watching football when all you can hear at a match is yeah, cheering? How can you know what's yeah, going on yeah. on the pitch if, you, if it's all just screaming but then another fangirl and we love you for jumping in and getting involved it's so funny shared an article from the washington post about why fangirls scream and i don't know if you read it oh, but I it's didn't get really a no, interesting I, she tweeted it as i pulled up in the car so yeah. i didn't get to no it's really interesting and jc chazez from nsync said that when they used to come out on stage and all the fans were screaming the energy in the room was so uplifting and he said it wasn't just sound coming from the stage there was sound coming out of every corner of the arena and it just made the atmosphere completely electrifying mm. and, and and it's not just boy bands it's fucking bullshit when i go and see the foo fighters or whoever everyone's cheering screaming yes. singing everyone, makes, everyone expresses themselves yes. by making a noise yes i think it's just and a natural reaction fangirls don't come away from concerts with their team having lost or conceded six goals to nil, crying, looking for a fight, drunk. <laughs> like, come on, what is so wrong about being a fangirl yeah. and so right about being a yeah, fucking football we fan? We don't go raging through supermarkets looking for beer. <laughs> <laughs> we really don't. I mean, but some of us do. Seriously, who is it hurting for us to, to like boy bands and, and get our it's joy just, out of that? It's just another reason for people to look down on us. That's all it is. On women. And by people, I mean, <laughs> I mean men. And don't come at me with all your not all men stuff. We know that toxic masculinity only refers to those men who are toxic. So <laughs> if this doesn't apply to you, we, we accept that. That's fine. It's, an, it's a non-issue. But... Don't come at us and tell us that we're shit and or our boy also, bands are shit. This is a safe place. So I I have this theory that everyone secretly likes at least one boy band. Yeah. So this is a safe place. Come come to us. Tell us who your secret boy band is. Yeah. Like we know you've got one. Even if it's only one record that you it will come in the car and you'll be like, oh, and you'll pump it up a little bit and you'll have a little bop along in the car. Everyone has a secret boy yeah. band. Yeah. Well, I Confess. said this morning that my friend from New York, I'm going to call him out, Andrew, he told me that he was, he doesn't listen. He's a busted fan. Well, my friend Ali as well, who started listening to the podcast. In fact, a couple of my male friends recently have said, oh no, boy bands aren't my thing, but I think it's great that you guys are doing so well with the podcast. And I'm like, well, do you know what? I think you should have a listen. And they have, and they've gone, oh my God, I love it. I'm going to download episode two. And they've said, because that they just really enjoy us and our connection and Yatter. back and forth. <laughs> yes, that's a good word. Um, and, and then I've had Ali saying, oh, what about Let Loose? Have you got Let Loose on the list? I had a single of theirs, Crazy Few. It was amazing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we've got them. Yep. So I, it is interesting yeah, to me, hear. Bring me your boy band confessions. Yes, we want to hear those. So we kind of sidebarred a little bit off Busted, but Busted were awesome. Yeah. We're going to see him again next week. And my, my technically my third boy band of the week, because I... Um... Oh, yeah, come on, Zoe. Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intro this. Zoe, rudely, went to New York without me. It's fine, I can take it, whatever. Uh, and had quite an extraordinary week from the sound of it. So what did you get up to? 
I um, flew in on Saturday, um, where as I landed, I was fed the news that New Kids on the Block were recording a video out in New Jersey. Um, this is a video for uh, their single release, which is called Boys in the Band. Uh, Boys in the Band is a celebration of boy bands. It's literally our theme song. Yes. It's like... I'm going to have the lyrics put on a shirt. It's all about how great boy bands are and, and like tracks the history of boy bands a bit. So they were recording the video for that out in New Jersey. Um, I was invited across to um, go and hang out. Um, it came a little bit too late in the day for me. I couldn't get a rental to go out and see them. It was a little too much in the Uber. Um, and I was that knackered that I literally went to the hotel and passed out. Um there's commitment for you. <laughs> Sorry, love my boy band. Love napping way more. <laughs> I actually believe that. Actually, no, this is the second time I've been in New York and my other new kid, um, Danny, has been across the river in New Jersey and I've not been able to get a chance. So, like, we're within 10 miles of each other oh, and not so been able annoying. to work it out so that I can go and see him. So I was kind of, I was quite upset that I didn't get to go and hang out with him. Um, How rude of them not to reschedule the video <laughs> shoot around your trip. Right? <laughs> um, uh, Sunday, I met up with friends for drinks, uh, which is kind of my normal Sunday in New York. You've done it with me. I've made you do the bit where we hang out in a bar on yeah. Sunday getting drunk and then try and find our way back to the hotel. Do you want to shout out your friends? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, it was, um, I saw uh, Jenny and uh, her very newish husband, Rod. Oh. Who um, are I think I met them on the New Kids on the Block cruise. Oh, um, not entirely sure though. They just they, they were just there. Um, and um, my friend Katie. I love Katie. Um, who came with her husband Hank. Yeah, Hank and, the Tank. And um, Ronnie, my um, one of my New Kids besties. Who? Flew... Ronnie. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I love Ronnie. She's wicked. Uh, she flew in from Boston. She was. It, it was basically our week to hang out with each other. We could Great. take a little time every now and then just yeah. to make sure we get some time together. Because when you see each other at events, there's always so much shit going oh, on. Oh yeah. And other people and distractions. And if there's a new kid there, or at least one new kid or more. Oh yeah, it's really hard to concentrate. Yeah. On, <laughs> <laughs> on maintaining your friendships. Um, so that was Sunday, and then Monday we were meant to be going to meet up with Donny, um, who is recording a new TV show. and Now, I don't know anything about this. I, see, I am so... Have I not told you anything about no, it? No, you haven't, as it happens. But I, I, I didn't want you to, because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Did I not even text you a clue? You did text me a clue, and I just kind of brushed it aside. Didn't you do the Backstreet Boys thing before this? Oh, yes, God, yes. So Monday morning, I went with... Um, <laughs> so Jenny of Jenny and Rod had one... You know how you said earlier about how <laughs> it's really hard to concentrate on anything when there's a new kid there? You completely forgot the entire Backstreet Boys thing because <laughs> yeah, you were talking about Donny. <laughs> Um, so Jenny had one ticket to go to Sirius XM, which is a radio station, uh, where the Backstreet Boys were doing a live performance and an interview, and we got to go to that and sit in the audience. Um, and it was quite good. I'm not, I'm not a massive Backstreet fan. Like when NKOT BSB thing happened, you know, we went to the show together. Yeah. We used the BS, the Backstreet Boys bits to go for a wee or go to the bar. Like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't because I love the Backstreet Boys, but so okay. I'm not, I've never been massively into them. Yeah. Um, they had, they've got a new album out um, as as well. Um, it came out, I want to say Friday. Yeah, DNA. Yeah, called DNA. And it's actually quite good. There's some really good tracks on it. Um, but that's what they were promoting today. They, 
I think they did four songs. So they did some some of the new stuff, and mm-hmm. then they did some of um, a couple of old records as well. Mm-hmm. Records. How fucking old am I? Forty four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Next year I'll be the same speed as a, rec- a seven inch single. Forty five oh. RPM. Oh my god! No, that's this year. Oh god, yeah. That's this year. <laughs> oh Do you know god. what year? Why don't? Why can't we? It's fucking February. Why can't we get this right? <laughs> this year. So we went to that, and it was really good, and. Um, we got to do a photo as we left. Um, they don't hug. I they think they no, were very what, oh, taken hang on aback. A minute. Didn't you say that they used to do meet and greets behind a barrier? Yeah, so they used to do their VIP meet and greets and you'd go in for your photo with the Backstreet Boys and they'd be behind a barrier and you'd stand in front of the barrier and they'd all kind of like lean around you and have your photo that way. But that's changed. Like they don't no longer oh, do good. that. But when we went up for our photo, which came as part of this, you know, prize to go and just see them perform i i did what i i went in for hugs and they they just felt very taken aback <laughs> it was just oh, and you really? know what i'm like i get really bad verbal diarrhea around boy bands and so i'm there yes. giving it my normal effing and jeffing mm-hmm. um and hugging them at the same time and i think they were like the fuck is this so you had a picture with them then yes where is this picture i, I seen know this. you're not gonna see this picture why so they go to take the picture and they're so i'm just stood in front of they're all lined up and, and we're just stood in front of them and i was like no i'm fucking hugging and i went to put my arms around them oh, no. to hug them and that's when they took the picture so I'm kind of leaning slightly <laughs> forward I look like I'm not show me it no I'm not showing Just show you me I will it. show you it later no no show me it now <laughs> and we will never post it anywhere I mean I'm sure some of you while you're finding that have seen the poll that I put up on our um, Instagram to see because I found some pictures of Zoe dressed in her brosset uniform and um, we, we need to get one of these posted this is not that bad. I've this... got 58 chins, girl. Zoe, this is not a bad... You're right next... You're between Kevin and AJ. <laughs> yeah. This is a great photo. No. Who's the other girl in it? That's Ginny. Oh, you had hi, to go Jenny. up with your, we had to go up with your competition winner. So you, and you've got your I'm with the boy I, band I t-shirt. Tried to, I tried to get us individual photos by going, dude, I've come all the way from London, but it wouldn't happen any of it. Right, you can easily Photoshop your face if you if you feel like you need to maybe three four of my chins that is a great photo no anyway so zoe honestly and then on the way out so as we were coming out we we came out of the building we saw their vans outside and i said to jenny oh i i need to practice fangirl this is our area of expertise (laughs) the the they're leaving the venue moment (laughs) so i was like i need to practice fangirl a little bit because i really haven't done that the, the hanging outside waiting for a picture thing for ages so I did that didn't really go very well there's these um, guys that apparently hang outside serious all the time to get photos and autographs and this one dude literally busted in front of me I was the next person to get a picture with AJ and this guy literally walked in front of me and I was like oh okay then fine and then AJ got in the van and he did the same with Kevin <laughs> So oh, that's I so out of order. I did get a really, really nice picture with Howie. So it's oh, the picture with Howie's yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was a lovely with Howie, and it's kind of quite strange. So that as they came down out of the elevators, you they they spotted everyone outside, and they kind of split up like they were trying to like if we all go separate ways, one of us will make it to the van unscathed. It was oh, really strange. Divide like, and conquer. Yeah, exactly like How that. Strange. Um, was only about 10, 12 people outside. Not a lot to like. Oh, they could it, have stopped for right, a little so if bit. The security had come out and gone. Line up, they'll come along the line straight in the van, and that's it. Yeah. It would have taken them maybe two minutes yeah. to get through everyone. And it's just really strange to me. because I take that, do. I know new kids don't do that. Like, if there were 12 people outside a building waiting to see them, they'd 
be hard because they said same. hi and have a little chat, even if they were in a rush. Yeah. Like they. Oh, same. They, yeah. Take that or exactly the so same. It's just slightly bizarre to me. And I think maybe a little bit of that's the aspect that they never really went away. Yeah. Like the Backstreet Boys have never had that, the fear of. Losing their back, fans. Yeah. Coming back yeah. and what are we coming back to? Yes. Yes. And, and having to give that yeah. little extra attention. Lara and I have had this conversation because take that are all such nice guys and they're so humble and Robbie's not and, and this is, I'm not bagging on Robbie I love Robbie he is exactly what he says he is he's a complete show off etc but he walks outside and he's like ta-da I'm here whereas the take that guy is like oh hi how are you mm. and they they're not demanding all the attention and I genuinely think it's because Robbie has he went off and had a really successful solo career and the others lost everything well not lost because they chose but to they, break up they experienced the, the failure yeah essentially yeah. and Gary's solo career didn't go to plan and I think all of that was a really humbling experience and when they reunited and came back for their uh, ultimate tour and they realised that there were still fans out there for them I think they're really like oh my god this is yeah. incredible and you're right the Backstreet Boys and Robbie have never had that experience yeah. so they've never been humbled um, we could be wrong. Backstreet Boys might all be really fucking nice. Yeah, we don't I know. Don't, maybe they, they just don't recognize we, it. it's a recognition We wouldn't know. Thing. We wouldn't know. They won't stop and talk to us. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was kind of different for me to, to do that little bit of fangirling. And, and frankly, if you're gonna, forever. if you're going to go and fangirl over another boy band, it might as well be the fucking Backstreet Boys. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's so exciting. I was gutted. And I, I know I wouldn't have been able to get into the radio station with you because there was only a limited number of tickets. But I would have loved to have been outside and just to see them. And I, you know I love New York anyway, any yeah. excuse. And But so I'm, I love... Feel bad. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I love the fact that you went and you experienced that. And I feel like I've experienced it through you. And again, Lara used to say this to me about Take That. And she said, I don't want to ever meet Take That. I feel like I already have because you've met them. And I was like, oh, shut up. But I'm, I'm fully supportive of my fangirl friend and co-host meeting a boy band that I'd love to meet. So, yeah. Amazing. So, okay. So, so that was the Monday. Now Monday morning. <laughs> so, Monday evening, we had plans to go and meet up with my boy band bestie. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg. Wahlberg. <laughs> um, I shouldn't call him my boy man, but he's gonna fucking hate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he listens, guys. <laughs> he listens. He's filming a new TV show, and this mm. is a little bit of a exclusive because I don't think it's really out there what he's up to yet. And I'm so excited. This it's is... exclusive in your head because I still don't know anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm, I might have... no, actually, I've not told anyone. Ronnie obviously knows because she was there when we were talking about it. Yeah. Um, it's it, this is the point where my two very di diverse worlds collide. So I have my boy band world, and then my true crime enthusiast yeah, world, <laughs> murderino. Yes, um, which is how you and I both really got into podcasts, yes. listening to things like My Favorite Murder well, and Serial. It was Zoe who introduced me to podcasts in the first place, and I'd been recommended Serial a few times by a few different people, but we were going to New York a couple of years ago, and you said, the day we arrive, my favourite podcast has got a live show in New York, and I really want to go, and I was like, I'm down, because I'm, I'm always down for stuff like that, <laughs> and you said it's about murder, and I was like, also great, that's fine. <laughs> 
And you're not creepy at and all. And then I can only get us VIPs with a meet and greet. So it's like, okay, fine. I better start listening to this podcast. And it was My Favourite Murder. But My Favourite Murder, Serial, All Killer No Filler, all yeah. those. Well, in fact, All Killer No Filler is probably now my favourite. I agree. Like, and we went to see their live show in December. Yeah. Absolutely fucking hilarious. They're so good. I wish I could be them when I'm a grown up. Anyway, so. so. <laughs> Younger than us. <laughs> so back to what we're talking about. We do go off on too many fucking People People like it, it's fine. Um, we so like it. we were meant to go out to see Donnie recording this new TV programme that he's Which doing. is about murder. Yeah. Oh, okay. It is, um, it's a true crime show. It's been made for... Did you give him the idea? I have no fucking idea. Um, so it's been made for um, HLN, which is Headline News, but... H&M. H-L-H. H or H? H. H-L-N. Um, <laughs> you said H&M <laughs> <laughs> like, They've really diversified HLN Yeah, headline news So it's, you'll know this when, You know when I stay in a hotel And I have to have the TV on to fall asleep Yes And it's always forensics files Yes <laughs> that, It's HLN that we put, I put on throughout the Got night it. Okay. Um, I'm sure it's HLN I may be getting this completely wrong it's for a TV station owned by CNN, is the parent company. Okay. Um, and it's called Very Scary People, and it's about serial killers. So is he hosting it? He's hosting it. So he um, does, like, the um, introduction. But I'm trying to think of something to compare him to that would be similar. I know. I've got it in my head. Tamsin Althway presents... Definitely not. Okay. He's not in a white suit doing the forensics. He's the presenter. So we were meant to go out to where he was recording his, you know, links. Um, in New York or somewhere around yeah, New York, it was, right? it was close to New York. Um, and he was trying to get us down there all day. And then he sent a message saying, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get you down. There's really not a lot of space. And I was kind of like, dude, we don't... I have no expectation... Absolutely. ...that when I go into New York that I will get to see him because he's working. Yeah. In exactly the same way that if he sent me a text message and went... Look, I'm in London. Can I come to your office? I'd be like, no. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you would go, yes, please. This no, is the like, address. Could, could you imagine him sat in the PA? Yeah, like, no. This is just Donna. He's just going to sit here for yeah, the day. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. You're right, you're right. No. It's not going to okay. happen. You would say, I finish work at three. Yeah, let's make a major. Yes, then, right? yes, yes. So I have no <laughs> expectation that when I go into New York that I'll get to see him. Yes. I, I, I love to. It makes my, It makes a trip. Yeah, I, I get to hang out with him, but no expectation. He was very apologetic. He said, "Look, this space is really small." And the next day, he described it to us, and he was like, "It's a really small corridor that you can barely walk a normal human being down." And the cameraman's six foot five and really wide. Oh so God! Then he kept bouncing off the walls. But I'm so, so beyond excited that this is what his new project is. Like, I can't... So, uh, talk. do you know... Talk me through it. Is it... It's called Very Scary People, yeah. and it looks at major crimes, mainly serial killers, but so... Not, um, like, unsolved ones. No, They're not, not going to go out and ones. try and solve... No. Right. It's it's ones that... Have, well, no, a couple of them are unsolved. So, um, they are doing... Um, Eileen Warnus. Oh. Um, John Wayne Gacy. Mm, hate that guy. Um... He mentioned BTK, but I'm not sure. Oh, if that's he's even next worse. Season, Ugh. and then um, the one that was sold really recently on DNA. That's not the Green State Killer. So it's Golden it's State called, Killer, not the Golden State Killer. I think the it's Green the, River Killer. No, the NorCal Rapist. Oh, 
right I said the same I was like oh it's one I don't know no. I'm going to have to fucking watch now do you know have you found recently with the Ted Bundy tapes being on Netflix people have come to you and said have you seen because I hate that show I hate that I love the Ted Bundy story I find yeah, it fascinating yeah we tried to watch it didn't we but I don't like the Netflix series because for the same reason that I couldn't watch The Staircase on Netflix because Michael Peterson is a piece of shit and he's definitely guilty <laughs> and I just couldn't tolerate watching him I feel like the same thing about the Ted Bundy thing I don't want to hear what he's got to say and also yeah. they didn't include all the information that we already know and again this is a massive off topic thing but there are certain things that I just don't love to watch and that shit like that we're going to need to do a specialist offshoot podcast oh my god a fusion um, crossover (laughs) serial (gasps) boy band serial killers yeah there must be so did I I have this discussion with you my theory that they say that one in a hundred people has committed murder yes you said this to me yesterday (laughs) so one in a hundred people has committed murder so on that basis given we have 150 boy bands, there must be at least a couple of members of boy bands who've murdered someone. We just need to pinpoint who. This is going to be our offshoot podcast. Well, I mean... So we name investigate. I've always thought... was a bit dodge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beat that out. <laughs> so, we do digress. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, do you know what so it's going to be called? It's called Very Scary People. With Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, and it's made by CNN. I, I, I'm positive it's HLN, but I don't. So that's a little bit of an exclusive because it's not really out there yet. So thank you, Donnie, for allowing me to talk about it on my podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we're going to hang out with him a little bit more. So he was filming Blue Buds in the week as well. Mm-hmm. So fucking cold. Oh my God, I don't know how Americans do it. We, I woke up Wednesday morning. Um, it was minus 16. No. Like, that's just... And I, I don't even know what that is in American money. It's just really fucking cold. Minus 16. Um, so, yeah. No, Fortunately, they were filming inside both days we went to see him, so we got to sit in the warm. Um, and he showed me... Um, we talked about a bit about tour. I'm slightly apprehensive about going on tour because I've booked a week to go... Oh, yeah. ...and do a week of tour, which is kind of... It's kind of quite a big commitment, but then... All my other girls are going out for another week later on in the year, and I'm I was slightly worried that I'm not going to enjoy the setup as it stands. I mean, there's a lot of bands going. There's a lot of bands on this tour. There's New Kids. There's Naughty by Nature. There is Tiffany. So they've got loads of Debbie support Gibson. acts. Yeah, you know it's a you know a, a chocker block lineup. Yeah. So I was slightly apprehensive that I I've already committed to actually it's ten days, um, and then what happens if I don't like it and I'm then committed to another 10 days but he kind of talked me through everything that's going to happen and what's going on and um, I booked a flight <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how the Wahlberg magic just happens it just works doesn't it I'm completely convinced he could have been absolutely bullshitting me about what's going oh, on but yeah. I was like oh that sounds amazing yeah it's like BA hello <laughs> <laughs> um, that was my week. I'm trying that. I think yeah, I that was my week. That was my. I did nothing. My other bits of exciting news. I'm not really or other things that I was was shared with me. I'm not allowed to talk about. So, it's a shame, isn't it? Like, exactly, <laughs> like, <laughs> like exactly what the new video is. I can't. Oh wait. yeah, so that's, I know. That's, um, I mean, I don't know. She March tell me. the eighth is when the um, album drops. International Women's Day. Oh, mm. so appropriate for our feminist podcast. Yes, <laughs> our feminist boy band podcast. <laughs> boy band related things I've done this week. I found the sync making the video where Joey Fatone hurts his leg and a stand-in 
has to do the dance part of the video with I him. Know, well, I know nothing Have about this. Have I not this. told you about this? No. So years ago, MTV or VH1 had this show called Making the Video. Yeah. And they go behind the scenes of the video. So... That's exactly I used what it to says watch, on the tin. Absolutely. I used to watch that all the time when I loved the box and all of those music channels. And um, they had one with InSync and you know those trapdoors they have on stages where mm. they the boys come up and they jump yeah. out onto the stage? Well, Joey had, as he'd come up, got his leg caught somehow and really badly cut and hurt his leg and had to go off to hospital. So when he came back, he couldn't dance. So, But they had to get this video filmed and it was a massive set in this... What, what they call them, soundstage. So it had to be filmed. So they took the choreographer, Wade, Wade, Wade Robertson? I want to say Wade Robertson. That might not be his name. And they put him in Joey's clothes. Now he's a bit <laughs> taller, a bit slimmer than Joey, and drew a goatee on him. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to do all the dancing. And when Joey had come back, they had a little um, mobility scooter. They had a mobility <laughs> scooter for Joey. And Chris was driving around on this mobility scooter, um, driving into people and going, can I see your licence and registration? And I remember watching it and laughing so hard. And I couldn't remember. And I was, I've been searching for it for weeks and I found it this week. It is the video for Pop. Do you remember that song? No. And the other thing that I wanted to mention was that we... Didn't go and see five. No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole thing. It got cancelled. We didn't. We didn't cancel on them. It um, the one of them had a death in their family, so we still um, we're still holding out for a date night with five. Yet to see five. I'm coming to a bingo hall near us soon. I'm sure. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Maybe before we see nine one one in March. You never know. Ooh. We can try and fit another one in. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to cope with that extreme fangirling weekend again because we've got the new kids album out on the 8th and then we're seeing 911 on the 9th oh, yeah it's just all too much for me and oh. then it's only a couple of weeks after that that I'm seeing Take That oh yeah terribly exciting the day of the day we Brexit <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a good day to celebrate it isn't it Brexit celebration <laughs> that's handy I've been trying to look up at workplaces that are holding actual Brexit celebrations I'm going to add that to the notebook well take that played in Melbourne the night that the Australians voted for equal marriage so they celebrated that at their Melbourne gig. So let's see what they do at the Royal Albert Hall on Brexit Day. Who knows? They come out dressed in Union Jack underpants. <laughs> oh, God. God, I hope not. Okay, so we are going to... Have a look at ba the basic rollers. Yes. Right then. Basic rollers it is. I didn't realise until I started doing the research quite how much mm. of a story there was behind the Bay City Rollers. And I really had to condense... Like, I, I wrote the the bit about the Bay City Rollers before they got famous. That it, They were together ten years before they really hit. I don't want to give away the middle of the story here. No. Apologies to everyone who were waiting for those cliffhangers. This is our second time recording this. Yes. Because the first time we did it, we went into so much detail on that first ten years... It was over an hour and they weren't yeah, even they famous didn't even yet. <laughs> record out. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Um, uh, the condensed Bay City Rollers version. I can send anyone who's interested in the full 10 year breakdown my notes. <laughs> um, so in 1966, two brothers, um, Alan and Derek Longmuir, 
form a band which is called the Saxons with their cousin who's called Neil Porteous and um, one of their schoolmates who is called Nobby Clark. Um, Such a popular name in the 60s. <laughs> right. Um, and they, they're a covers band. They play kind of Tamla Motown, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, um, and they're playing around like church halls, like up-tempo pop, a little bit of a, you know, a disco affair for teenage girls. Um, but they... Um, didn't like the name the Saxons. Yeah. It sounded a bit bland. Um, they wanted an American sounding name. Clever. Um, at the time there was a band out it was called Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wills. Um, and they liked the sound of wheeling. Can you just so, say that word again? Detroit. <laughs> what did I say? Detroit. Detroit. I was like, surely that says Detroit. <laughs> but after your bandana, you know, I'm all right with Detroit okay, if that's what we're doing. <laughs> Um, uh, at the time there was a band out called Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels mm-hmm. um, and they liked the sound of the, the wheeling bit of it so they in turn picked the rollers um, mm. then they wanted the name of like an American city to go uh, to prefix it so they uh, take out a map they stick a pin in it and the, the pin lands in Arkansas which um, doesn't sound great so they go for the, the nearest Arkansas, the Arkansas rollers <laughs> so they go for um, the nearest decent city name which is Bay City Michigan and therefore ah, they become the Bay City Rollers um, by the end of the 60s um, they've been together four years they've had some ins and outs of personnel you know they lose people gain people um, but they're building a loyal following around the Edinburgh area um, it's uh, cousin Neil has gone and um, they had a schoolmate called Dave in and he's also gone um, and they now have two members called Greg Ellison and Keith Norman who Alan Longmuir met when he was studying plumbing at college. Nice. Um, their following so big that they um, coach loads of fans. We'll follow them hundreds of miles from Edinburgh up to Aberdeen to see them play their covers. Um, uh, they dream of being like the Beatles. Um, and in that quest, they seek their own Scottish version of the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, they end up with um, a, a local Edinburgh guy who does who promotes kind of music venues and does radio. What's his real job though? Um, he's he's a he's a potato delivery man. <laughs> um, he is Tam Payton. Um, he's fucking obsessed with potatoes. As yeah. well. <laughs> he his dad runs a potato warehouse potato business and and Tam does the deliveries for him. So Tam has his own managerial style. Um, it's quite controlling. Uh, everyone hmm. has to toe the line and do what it says. Um, and the, you know, the basic roles are quite young. They're all teenagers. They're you know, fifteen, sixteen, mm. seventeen. They find him quite intimidating. But Tam style feeds in a lot to what we now know as a bit of a boy band blueprint. So they're not allowed to have girlfriends. Yeah. Um, none of that things. You know, they have to be seen to be available to the fans. Um, he also likes having. Um, a big lineup because then each girl can pick a band member that they like. As their favourite. Yeah, right. so it's you know, it really feeds into what we now know to be what makes up a standard boy band. So he kind of um, is the person who created all those Yeah, sort of. Not intentionally. I don't think he was Tam was that like he was no. clever enough to have gone, This is the way it needs to be. It it was more his controlling manner. He was a controlling manifested right. its its way into becoming the blueprint yeah um he runs bay city operations from <laughs> his bedroom at home where he still lives with his parents you know this is he's trying to 
put together the next Beatles out of his bedroom, his, bedroom at his mum and dad's house. Um, well, I mean, no one could say he didn't have ambition. Yeah. So by 1971, Tam had landed the band a deal with a, a record label in London called Bell Records. They recorded Keep On Dancing. Is that, isn't that a five song? <laughs> they recorded Keep On Dancing, which is definitely a five song. It's not a five song. <laughs> so by the end of 1971, it had crept up the charts to number nine. Um, at this point, Alan is still working as an apprentice plumber. Um, his brother, Derek Longmuir, and Nobby Clark are both joiners, um, and the band do their rehearsals in a potato <laughs> shed, which is owned by Tam Payton's dad. He fucking loves potatoes. So, despite the success of their debut uh, single, their next two singles failed to chart, which led to a few more personnel changes. Yeah, Greg and Keith are out, and they're replaced by... Uh, Davy Payton and Billy Lyle and at this point they start to get a bit of a new look um, Tam is dressing them up in matching suits which are made by um, the long Longmuir's mum mm-hmm. um, but by the end of 1972 it's starting to look like they were a bit of a one hit wonder right um, with the five song Keep On Dancing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Bell Records enlists a new writing and producing team so Phil Coulter who's the songwriter and Bill Martin who written the winning Eurovision song for Sandy Shaw. Up like a puppet on a string. Oh, that song? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, uh, Bill Martin was a fellow Scot. He'd always been looking to work uh, with a, a Scottish band. Um, but when uh, Phil and Bill get the band <laughs> into the studio, um, they're shocked to discover that actually they can't really play their instruments. Um, and so they have to get in session musicians to get to work creating what they want the, the new sound for the Bay City Rollers to be. Um, they think that they need um, a distinctive sound to make them sound out, stand out. It's also interesting that the Bay City Rollers has come up as one of those boy bands who plays their own instruments in our conversation about whether that is a boy band, and no. actually they couldn't play their own instruments. No, yeah. They were... I, I can't understand how they got by for so long. So they were formed in 66 and we're now at... 1972-ish, so they've and done no six years of playing these, doing cover versions around Edinburgh concert halls. And and they had a big following, well, so their shows at this point, even as doing covers, their shows at this point are still full of screaming girls. Do you know, so, though, I... I as, just can't hear them. As well, it, I think there's an element of them not being able to be heard, but having worked in music for as long as I did, there is a massive difference between these local pub cover bands our wedding bands and professional musicians yeah i suppose uh, you know they've learned their instrument as a craft yeah. there is a massive gap so um, so the first song they put out with Phil and bill is uh, remember shalala shalala um but just as they're about to release it in 1973 uh nobby clark who's one of the original lineup mm-hmm. uh, he quits the band and this forces uh tam payton to make more lineup changes he approaches another local singer called Les McCune to replace Nobby. Now, at this point, the ins and outs of the band are in their seven years. There have been 12 personnel changes, so the 12 <laughs> people have been brought in by Tam and then sacked by Tam. There's a lot of in and outs. So the lineup, as they release their first, well, their first single, their first single with Bill and Phil, mm-hmm. um, the lineup for this record is Les McCune, um, 
the founder members, Alan Longmuir and Derek Longmuir, a young lad called Stuart Wood, who's known as Woody, and Eric Faulkner. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to mention as well is that the replacement band members were getting progressively better looking or more attractive. <laughs> yeah. And slightly younger as well. Tam Payton was constantly almost replacing them with younger, newer models. Yeah. So you get rid of a 70-year-old and bring in a 15-year-old. Who, couldn't, kind of who couldn't play. Oh, no, no, no. It, it was purely based on looks and yeah. having the right... He, he very much felt that their path for success was was going to be dependent on them, on, on the way they looked. Again, yeah. the boy band blueprint. So, Remember Shalala gets to number six, uh, top ten hit for them. They get top of the pop experiences, that kind of thing. And they very quickly release another single, which is called Shangalang. Uh-huh. Now, Shangalang is a phrase that um, Bill, Bill Martin... Martin um, had to use at home because he wasn't allowed to swear in front of his mum. So oh, we'd go, is that where it oh, came Shang-a-lang. Um And <laughs> he, he he thought that would make uh, make good use of it in a song. It was a really catchy title. Um, Shangalang's released in 1974 and it reaches number two. And from this point on, the basic rollers take off like a rocket. So determined to capitalise on this, Tam booked them on a major tour of the UK. Their press and publicity was still masterminded from the bedroom of Tam's parents' house in Scotland. But throughout 1974, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, then so, But pr- prior to that, they'd done some local gigs in England across the border and they had been really unsuccessful, hadn't they? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it took this the recognition of being in the chart for them to, to start to be able to book these bigger gigs where they're, they're finally making money. They, they've been playing gigs for £100 a night between the... F- five of them and yeah. Tam taking yeah. a cut. They're now commanding up to like, you know, eight hundred pound appearance because they've had a top ten hit. Um the next single out is called Summer Left Sensation, which they release in the summer of seventy four and this reaches number three. Um do you, do you remember that? Uh, <laughs> what? The one that was released about three months before I was born. <laughs> it could have been <laughs> as you were born. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> No. Okay. Um, um, up until this point, um, record company execs have kind of believed that the kids buying records were all, you know, 16, 17, 18. Mm-hmm. As the basic roller's success grew, it occurs to them actually the kids buying the records are six and seven and eight. Wow. And that's the gap in the market that the rollers are filling. They're delivering really good pop songs that people, uh, people, young kids could sing along to and get joy out of. And you know that kids do do that still. Like, you look at things like, fucking baby shark once they get a catchy tune they won't shut the fuck up those right. kids by the end of 1974 they'd released a debut album called rolling and it was at number one keep rolling 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 um the band still aren't happy <laughs> there's no still <laughs> i'm gonna completely ignore you um the band aren't very happy they want to be slightly more hands-on they want to write their own records and actually play on them um but bill martin doesn't think they're capable of it so the rollers go to the record company and request a new producer tony roberts at bell records agreed to that because he didn't want the momentum to stop and he didn't want any court actions taken so bill and phil were paid off and producer bill wayman came in on the agreement that the rollers had to be playing on the playing on the record Uh, tam suggests to new bill um (laughs) that they record a song he's heard called bye bye baby which is by the four seasons Mm. um which they do it's released in march of 1975 you must remember that one 
I do remember Bye Bye Baby, but I don't think I remember it from when I was five months old. I'm just going out on a limb I mean, here. I think you were six months old, mate. Okay. So <laughs> Maybe then. <laughs> um, it's released in March 1975, and it goes straight into number one, where it remains for six weeks. Um, at one point, this record is selling 75,000 copies a day. Jesus Christ. Um, they follow up straight away with um, Give a Little Love, which also went to the top of the charts. And their second album, Once Upon a Star, which was released in May, also goes to number one. Wow. It was at this point that the Rollers developed their iconic tartan look, which tartan was... I, I love saying tartan instead of tartan. <laughs> I know it's tartan, but I always say tartan. <laughs> Um, so they developed their iconic tartan look, taken from a drawing sent to them by a fan from Liverpool, and it went full circle as their fans then copied the look, adorning their own clothes with tartan swatches. So if you've ever seen the rollers, they have like tartan shoulder patches. You just stop saying tartan. What's wrong with tartan? <laughs> <laughs> and tartan. Do they have tartan? They do. They do around the bottom. Bell bottoms. Bell bottoms. Yeah. They wear scarves. One of them has a tartan scarf hanging off his guitar. It's really put up. You know, the tartan hats, all that kind of thing. The fans really buy into it and they copy the way that they, they look. It's one of these first. Like the Beatles. It's a bit niche, isn't it? The Beatles had been a big boy band, but there wasn't really any aspect of it that the fans could copy for themselves. With the rollers. It absolutely is. The yeah. fans can, can emulate them. Yeah. yeah, and also they can, you know, they find their tribe. Like you, you see another fan wearing tartan, you immediately know, oh, she likes the yes. same thing I do. It's a way of identifying yourself and and making yourself stand out from a crowd. Yeah. Um. By the summer of seventy five, which is less than a year after they had their first success with Shangalang, um, they've also got their own TV show, and they undertake their biggest UK tour to date, um. And Rollermania is off. Um, the mass hysteria that comes with it, it just sweeps the country. The police would have to go in and stop their shows because they couldn't cope with the crowds rushing the stage. <laughs> Girls would leap from balconies to try and get closer. Um, and, you know, there'd be mass faintings. Um, basically, the streets after a show would be lit littered with passed out tartan. So on the 29th of May 1975, they had to cancel a show in Bristol after Les McEwen was involved in a fatal road accident on his way to the airport. Not He wasn't he wasn't killed. It wasn't him. Yeah, in, it, he had a rare visit home to Edinburgh um, and he was driving to the airport. Um, and it's rainy, he, you know, the vision's not great and he runs over and kills a 76-year-old woman. Um it was one of the few occasions that the Rollers actually cancelled a gig because it wasn't something that, that Tam Payton allowed. McEwen gets charged with death by dangerous driving and a court date set for November. Um, but the night after the accident, the, the tour carries on. Um, and still in shock, McEwen breaks down on stage and has to leave. God, it just um, it wouldn't happen these days. No. It just wouldn't. Say that, but then we're only... You know, it's only the 80s where Bross had to... We've talked about yeah. in episode two about Bross having to go on after their That's died. true. That is their true. their sister died, sorry. That's true, but I just can't see someone going through something that traumatic and, and having to but perform the next someone, night. Yeah. Um, McEwen's since spoken about how he felt that he had no support at this time from his mm. bandmates. He was, he was only 19 and he'd just killed someone um, and he felt like everyone was basically pretending it, it either ha hadn't happened or that it just didn't matter. Oh, that's um, so tragic. Two days following the incident, um, they're playing a gig in Oxford and Les loses it. He leaps on the stage, causing a riot, 
and you know fans are climbing over barriers to get to him um and a photographer claims that he's he's been knocked out after after McEwen hits him several times with the mic stand and he said he just lost the plot he he burst into tears and he could no longer handle it um and there were all these fans and as he started crying they came forward they pushed forward wanting to mother him yeah um and then his attention suddenly focused on the orchestra pit on the orchestra pit where there were girls were coming over and getting hurt and all the photographers photographers were doing were taking pictures of these girls mm. um and he says for some reason in my twisted little mind i thought that was out of order so i jumped into the orchestra and started beating up a photographer um mikuin gets arrested on assault charges and is required to appear in court again in november um the date set to just before his court hearing I mean, for the dangerous driving. The poor guy is probably suffering from PTSD. Yeah. And, oh, it's just... I mean, he says at around this point is when he started getting into loads of different kinds of drugs. Mm. Um, Tam Payton already allowed him to smoke pot as long as it wasn't around the others. Mm. But he started dabbling in, in taking smack and he drank a lot of Jack Daniels. He says, I really went off the edge into my own private hell. Seeing someone lying dead in the street is something you never get over. No, of course it's not. So, Tam Payton couldn't wait, though, to get them to America and conquer that. So, Tony Roberts of Bell Records took acts from the UK and broke them in the US. Uh, legendary exec Clive Davis, who we've mentioned before. So, he acquired rollers for his label, Arista. A selection of US music journos were flown to Glasgow to see them play. So they saw the streets cleared for the Bay City Rollers to arrive at the gig as throngs of young girls with a look of love in their eyes <laughs> swarmed the venue. So as autumn 1975 came around, the final touches were being put to the campaign to conquer the US. Clive uh, Davis has, has chosen a song for their US debut called Saturday Night. Um, it They'd released it in the UK back in 1973 and it had been a bit of a flop for them. Um, but because Bye Bye Baby, their big hit, had already been a big hit for the four seasons in the US, they couldn't use that as a re their release. Mm. Um, so on September the 20th, they're beamed live by satellite from a TV studio in London into the homes of 30 million Americans. Wow. Um, and their performance ended in a stage invasion that left two of the rollers hospitalised. Oh, my God. But this is their introduction to America. Oh, my God. So, ten days later, they were on their way to America. As they turned up in New York, they were met by hordes of fans ready to meet them after the US publicist had leaked the flight information. This is something that used to happen a lot. It was a repeat of the Beatles, basically, a few years before that. Um, they got to perform on uh, a show called Saturday Night Live with Howard Cassell. Um, they... SNL? Yeah, I don't think it's the same one. Oh, it might be. <laughs> it might be. Let us know, people, if it's the same SNL now as the one with Howard Cassell. Um, they were they burst from a giant tartan box and they were heralded in by bagpipers. <laughs> I cannot think of a worse way of introducing a pop, a pop band to the, to the oh, to America, so if not bagpipers. Um, but at this time, the US really had room for a new phenomenon for teenage girls, um, and their publicist was continuing to tell the fans where where they could find them because they wanted the chaotic scenes around them to keep going because it really made for good publicity. Yeah. Saturday night during October 1975 was at number 64 in the Billboard chart, 
by November, it was in the top 20 and the band got their first Tiger Beat front cover. The UK release Money Honey was in danger of getting lost beneath the success of Saturday Night in the US. Yeah, so they're releasing different records in different territories. Yeah. Because Clive Davis is going, no, you can't put that one out of yeah. here. It's not right. So it, it's a confusing. So they've got one song out in the US, a different song out in the UK. And at the same time, they might have something different in Australia or mm-hmm. in Europe. You know, there's no consistency. It's not like it is now where it all drops in the same place at the same time. Yeah. And, of course, this is in November, which is when Les McEwen's two court cases are taking place. Yeah, so on November the 12th, he's uh, fined £10,000 and given a three-month suspended sentence for the attack on the photographer in Oxford. Um, And then at his trial for death by dangerous driving in Edinburgh Sheriff's Court, all the fans are outside. Um, He's facing up to 10 years in prison, um, but he gets off. A witness comes forward that says the uh, the woman he ran over wasn't wearing her normal glasses, um, and that it was her vision that was impaired, and he was, you know, it wasn't his fault. He, he wasn't da- driving dangerously. Yeah, it wasn't his fault. Um, and the fans outside scream with delight as he's cleared with the charges, which must have been really harsh for yeah. her family. Yeah. Just you know. Um, yeah. The same day that he's cleared of the the death charges. Um, they appear on Top of the Pops performing Money Honey, which has gone to number three. Their third album, Wouldn't You Like It, was released in December 1975, and it was platinum before it was even released with all the pre-orders, and they had sold over 400,000 records before it was, it was even released. Oh, hello, Elvis. Oh, hi, Elvis. <coughs> what do you think? Did you agree with that? 400,000? Was that a lot? Yes. Um, it peaks at number three in the UK and also in Australia, where the band go out for a little 10-day tour in December um, and they sell 60,000 tickets to the shows there. Wow. During one of the shows, um, Stuart Wood collapses on stage um, and then again the next day he collapses on a flight to Canberra um, and he's met at the steps of the airplane by an ambulance. But, you know, this is Tam Payton. He's, he's driving them hard the show must go on and the tour continues without well, him. Well, it's pretty impossible to stop a tour that's going for one member. Yeah, I suppose. Howard broke his ribs in Germany. <laughs> Take that, had to go on without him. Danny Wood fell over a soft toy on the tour in the UK and had <laughs> oh, to be flown no. back home. Oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> that is so, a fan threw a cuddly toy on stage and he tripped over yeah, it. Yeah, and oh. mate, he was flown back home. Health so, and safety, mate. Um, just days after they returned to the UK from um, this little mini tour, um, they received news that Saturday night is on its way to number one in America. But then, just a few days after that, outside Les McEwen's home, which is swarmed by fans, they talk constantly about how they never get any peace. Mm. There are always fans outside the house. On this occasion, McEwen's having a party, um, and a fan gets shot in the head by an air rifle. Oh, God. Um, he's, he was charged with recklessly discharging a firearm, and... And at this point, he's heading for jail. Wait, Les McEwen's charged? Yes. Okay. Um, and at this point, he's heading for jail. He's still on his three-month suspended sentence right, that he's got, got for attacking the photographer. Yeah. Um, and there's a trial date set for another nine months. As it actually turns out, not wishing to jump forward too far, mm. when it comes to trial, a female friend who was at the party admits that she's the one that, that fired the air rifle, so he doesn't go to jail for it. 
Golly, Les is having a bit of a tough old yeah, time, isn't he? But, you know, they're, they're boys from, I don't want to say the mean streets of Edinburgh, but they're not, they're working class lads. Yeah. They've grown up, you know, in tenement blocks. Mm. Their parents are working class. They have normal jobs. They're like bus drivers. They're yeah. undertakers. You know, they're, and they're not massively well educated. They, the majority of them have left school, either been expelled from school or have left school with no exams. Mm. So, and they ran around with gangs in Edinburgh. So they're a like bit the, rough the already. Shang Alang, uh, we sang Shang Alang as we ran with the gang, and it was a bit of an in joke that they oh. had been gang boys. That's that's what kids from the part of Edinburgh where they were from mm. did. You either went to university or you had a gang. Yeah. You know. um, by January. Uh, 1976 uh, Saturday night is number one in the US now I when I was talking with my friend Katie the other day mm. about the fact that we're doing basic roller she's like oh I think I know one of theirs and I was like oh it'd be bye bye baby mm. and she's like no no it's definitely not, not that and so Katie's a lot younger than me and I played her Saturday night and within two three calls she's like that's the one that's the one I know so it's huge like they, everyone still knows it wow. now um, Saturday night sells 12 million copies um, and it said that the success of Saturday Night inspired um, a song for the Ramones. So the beginning of the Ramones, Blitzkrieg Bop, the opening to it's almost identical. Wow. Um, and then I also... In these days, you'd get sued for that. Right. <laughs> and I also read the thing about how um, John Lydon of the Sex Pistols said that they were greatly inspired by the Bay City Rollers' original look as well. So it's just really, you know, how many different kinds of not poppy bands are taking yeah. inspiration from their success and the way they were styled and all different aspects of how the basic roles put together to go actually we can do something like that that would work great for us so interesting isn't um, it but by april 76 um alan longmuir who's one of the founder members he's had enough and he leaves the band he was technically shoved out by tam payton hmm. um and he's replaced by a 17 year old from ireland called ian mitchell um Alan's departure, it's kind of the beginning of the end for the rollers in Rollermania. Hmm. So at the end of April, Eric Faulkner overdoses on a combination of drugs, including Valium, and was found in the bathroom by Ian Mitchell. Tam Payton used it as a publicity stunt, of course, and tipped off the papers who were waiting for him to be discharged after 10 days in hospital, scoring Tam his coveted front pages. The, their official press release said he'd had a nervous breakdown. Um, so they fly back to the US uh, without Faulkner um, in April for a week of promotion for a new album called Rock and Roll Love Letter um, and there's a single with the same name. Uh, the welcoming party for them at the airport in LA is 300 fans. Mm. Um, they fulfil, they've got a relentless schedule of magazine interviews, record signings and radio appearances in LA, San Francisco, Denver, Dallas, Miami, St. Louis um, but it pays off. The single peaks at number 28 in the Billboard chart and the album at number 31. It also did well <laughs> in Japan and Canada. <laughs> On June the 1st, following a major tour of Germany, they touched down in Toronto to record their next album and they're greeted by 5,000 fans at the airport. So besieged by fans, they had decoy cars, decoy security and even a decoy hotel to throw fans off the scent. I can't even imagine that just... They find out. I'm not being funny, guys, but yeah, like fangirls will find out. Doesn't work. You could have 50 hotels, but they'll go around each of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, on June the 26th, they head to Atlantic City to play what's technically their first ever US gig, and then they have to go straight back up to Toronto, who are holding 
Bay City Rollers Day nice. on June the 27th. Um, the City Plaza in Toronto is overrun with 60,000 fans. Can I just say they've gone from 300 fans in LA to 5,000 fans in Germany, oh, sorry, in Toronto, and then 60,000 fans for this Bay City yeah, Rollers it's Day. It's a free show, though. Wow. So it's going to. Um, they, they show up on stage, but they're immediately pulled off the stage as the girls are beginning to get crushed. Oh God. And the police come on and warn the crowd about how dangerous it is. Um, they come back on stage and again have to leave seconds later. Um, they flee the venue by limousine um, and the car's mobbed. And there are so many girls climbing on the cars that the roof caves in. Um as the girls, the girls are crawling across the top trying to get to them. So crazy. So their debut tour of North America followed in August. In Toronto, they played to 9,000. And after the show, a fan handcuffs herself to the bumper of their car as they drive away. I just The visual image of this is just it's like... fucking what, mental. You, I want to know how far they got before they realised she was there. Yeah, well, she like, could die. They thudding? It's so bad. It's so bad. So she does that. And then another one gets stuck climbing through the window of their tour bus. Um, and still, the shows are still frequently being stopped just to try and urge the fans to, to stop killing each other. Um, at this point, they featured on every cover of 16 magazines since January, um, and the magazine are receiving 15,000 letters for them every week. Um, they do a show in Buffalo, um, and it's a bit of a police state. The police go into the venue and announce that any fan leaving their seat is going to be ejected from the arena. <laughs> oh, that's like Perth Arena. <laughs> um, but as they play, Les leans out from the stage and holds his hand out to a fan and the rest of the audience go into meltdown and they basically overrun the place. Oh, my God. It's so... so during this tour, Tam Payton catches Ian Mitchell with several women and accuses him of destroying the band's image. Can I just say at this point, Ian Mitchell, 17... Oh my god! Like, like. So he's he's caught with several women. Now I'd like to know if this is one group of women or several individual women. <laughs> you keep getting caught over and over again. You're going to come up with a better way to lock your door. The band's image being destroyed was well on its way already. Most of the band now chain smoked, drank excessively, and took drugs. A rumour was circulating that Les McEwen had spent time in a hotel with a groupie and 12,000 fans resigned from the fan club. And UK magazines received hate mail with torn up pictures of the men. So Les denies it, but by this point, he's also on his way to a bit of a nervous breakdown. Their next album is Dedication, which peaks at number 26 in the US and at number four in the UK. Um, but this album goes to number one in Japan, which is a kind of a bit of a new territory for them. Um, they head back around the UK for a tour, but at this stage, a lot of venues are refusing to book them because the fans are causing yeah. so much damage with their stampedes and desperation to get to the band. Um, um, and Tam Payton starts feeding the US press that this could be their last UK tour. He also speaks of the band becoming tax exiles and moving abroad. The tour was business as usual, with over 200 fans treated for cuts and bruises in London after the first three rows of the theatre were flattened. <laughs> um, but this, this show in London uh, turns out to be their last UK show of the 70s. The pressure was also becoming too much for Tam Payton at this point, who was hospitalised for a nervous breakdown brought on by stress and excessive drug use. Um, by November 1976, um, after just six months with the band, Ian Mitchell sacked by Tam Payton. Although the official line that they put out is that he quit, um, and he's replaced by um, a guy called Paul McGlynn. Um, and with this new lineup, they now head out to Australia for a tour. Um, 
the chaos continues. Uh, 200 fans are treated at their first concert. Um, in Melbourne, they're driving into an underground car park and the gates on the car park fail and 4,000 rush in towards a car, crushing it. Um, and Les McEwen later describes this as the, the worst incident of that kind of thing that happened and they all thought they were going to die. They then went off to Japan where they'd had two successive number one albums and were met at the airport by 30,000 Japanese fans. And then familiar scenes followed of being trapped inside hotels, unable to leave, girls attempting to get to them wherever they went, and just chaos and danger. But this is, this is kind of, I'm beginning to understand why they're referred to as Britain's biggest ever boy band. Yeah. Because it's, although we've seen it a lot, the, the focus is generally one territory we'll call it so they're big in the UK maybe they have yeah. a following in Germany but but these guys they're they're huge in the UK they're massive in the States they're closing down airports in Japan they're huge in Australia like it really is worldwide and I don't other than the Beatles I don't know that we've had since yeah. anyone that's had that level of success it's, this it's, word roller mania yeah it absolutely is, is. <laughs> it, you know, yeah, it's it really appropriate it's a mania yeah, yeah. um after Christmas at Home, they kick off 1977, once again back in the US with, for another single release. Um, this one only reaches number 60, though. Um, although they're still regularly appearing on the cover of 16 and Tiger Beat. Um, but Tiger Beat's taken a less starry-eyed approach than now. Um, they put out one article that's asking, is your love hurting the rollers? Oh. They're laying the blame onto the fans. They're saying that the constant attention they're getting is causing them too much heartache and pain. Um so it's in New York that the new boy, um, Mr. McGlynn, started to see the dark side of working with the Rollers, uh, with manager Tam Payton drugging him and making constant sexual advances to the point where he would sleep fully clothed. And on one occasion in New York, McGlynn stabbed Tam Payton with a knife in an attempt to fend him off. Uh, back home in Edinburgh, um, Pat McGlynn breaks down and tells his father what Payton had been up to. Um, and his dad reports it to the police, but they believe that Tam had he had connections to the local police force, and no charges are brought. Um, in April, out comes a new single called "It's a Game." It's been recorded in Sweden with David Bowie's producer, um, and the video features a, a more mature-looking basically rollers. The tartan's now gone. Um, the single peaks at number four in Germany, and it's their biggest hit there. Um, and it gets to number six in, in the UK, although this this is going to be their last top 20 hit over here. Mm -hmm. um, it still gets them on top of the pop's appearance, though. Um, but as Pat McGlynn's preparing to travel down to London to appear on top of the pop's, he gets a phone call from Eric Faulkner and Stuart Wood to tell him he's out of the band. Hmm. And they let him know that he's out of the band by singing Bye Bye Baby down, to, down the phone at him. How fucking childish is that? I know, that? right. This is, I, I get it, you didn't want this new kid in your band, but... Don't be a dick. Yeah. So, that's the end of part one. We're kind of coming... They've, they've peaked, basically, and they're kind of on the wane at the minute, but there's still a, a lot to go into. So in part two, we're going to look at kind of how they sank, you know, yep. the downfall. And also, they got into a lot of legal wranglings over money yeah. and questions like that much like Bross did so mm. that will be part two of the Bay City Rollers which is on the next episode we haven't scored the Bay City Rollers because we haven't finished their story yet so we will be scoring them next week
Once Zoe's got the scores. Yeah, once Zoe's figured out the spreadsheet. Zoe's in charge of the scores. I'm not good I, with I love a, I love a good bit of math. <laughs> Actually, that was really American. Not math. I, Americans, I don't understand why you uh, use maths as a singular. Singular? What's like, that? Yeah. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> I earned again. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on our social media. Yes, we're on Twitter at the Boy Band Pod. On Instagram at I'm with the Boy Band. Uh, you can drop us an email at theboybandpod at gmail.com. Give us a rating wherever you're listening or write us a review. We'd really appreciate that. And subscribe to us for all the updates as we reveal the greatest boy band chart. And don't forget, the real greatest boy band is the one that was there for you right when you needed them and got you from there to here. This week, we'd like to credit Simon Spence, the author of After the Screaming Stops, The Dark Side of the Bay City Rollers, and also big thanks for the BBC4 documentary Roller Mania, Britain's Biggest Boy Band. Our theme music is Dance With Youth by Fire and Lights from the Songs About a Girl trilogy by Chris Russell. Visit songsaboutagirl.com. And special thanks go to Busted for putting up with us and Donnie Wahlberg for being an excellent sport.